Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Chris Vernon with us from Grind City Media. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me on. How are you doing today, man? Everything's good. It's a pleasure to have you on. We've we've listened to your show growing up from your times at 92.9 and Grind City Media, and just, you've been one of our role models and one of our... I think that just means I'm old, right? No, we're not. <laughs> you got, you got, no, I mean, if you guys grew up listening to me, I know I, I, it is crazy. I hear that a lot. Like, I still think of myself as somebody who was, uh, who was like broadcasting the college kids, but now so many of the people that, you know, they listen to me for like over a grade. But I'm glad, that, I'm glad that young people still check it out. I used to listen to back in class. I would have headphones in and I'd listen to the Chris Vernon show, <laughs> and then I'd listen to Eric Castleton. So I love ninety two nine. And I, but now you're with Grind City Media, and you've started your own little business there. It just you've turned it you've turned it around by having their own Grind City Media. And just can you talk more about your background and? Yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, I started off like a lot of people did. I, I started doing broadcasting stuff in college. Um, got out of college, tried to find a job in media. I had interned at a couple of different places while I was in college. Um, I, I went to a small school about an hour, hour and a half from Memphis called Treat Hardeman. I left there, uh, moved to Memphis, you know, it was like the big city. So I got a house with a couple of my buddies that we rented and went out and tried to find a job. And I got a job at WHBQ. I just kind of started doing everything. I was a producer. I ran the board at night for Redbirds games. I just wanted to get my foot in the door. And so I started yeah. that stuff. And then eventually got on the air. Uh, and then from there, once once I had a show, you know, there's obviously a, a million things that took place. But the, 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 the short story is once I had the show, then I, I had moved from 456 and started a station at 730. Then moved from 7:30 over to 92.9, and then moved from 92.9 to uh, City Media. I guess like uh, four and a half years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And you know, I mean, at the time, it was you know we would go to the meetings, and uh, I did not think that the radio business was going to be as somebody that at that time had two young kids. I didn't think I was going to look up and in five years and in years that I was going to be able to be a, a radio star. You right. know, starting to see those guys uh, phase out. And the internet just started to make the world a small place. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work for, you know, Bill Simmons and the ringer on that front too. So I was going to be able to, you know, kind of get involved in that podcast and video world before, um, before it was, I guess, the thing to do. Um, but, you know, obviously reaped a lot of benefits from that because we were in there so early uh, in being able to do the show like that because, you know, the internet's just made the world a different place. People now, it used to be, I was, uh, you know, if I was on at 11 o'clock, people would tune in at 11 o'clock and they would be there on the dock waiting for that show to start. And yeah. that just changed. That just changed over the years. Everything that we do now is on demand. Everything. 
I'd go at ten fifty seven. I'd be a couple yeah, minutes early. Right. I mean that's so and that and and that's the way it was. Uh, that's the way it was for the audience. And you know, now people get to things when they get to things. People yeah. watch these TV shows live anymore. They fast through the court through the commercial. And so none of that's gonna change. And one of the big things was I have, you know, I had kids I realized they 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 know they they couldn't tell you one radio station. I'm not kidding. And they certainly <laughs> could not could not tell you any TV shows. Everything <laughs> is on tablets. Everything is on iPod touches. Everything is in their hands and watch what they watch when they want to watch it. Yeah. And that's, and that, that part of culture is just not changing. It's only going to keep hurtling faster towards that. So that's what got you into sports radio. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was, I was a huge sports fan like everybody else. Right. And I guess I, I started to, I started to learn early that, yeah. you know, I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. So how, how I, I loved reading about it. I loved talking about it. I loved watching games. Um, I loved going to games with my father. And mm-hmm. so how how could I get a job in sports if I wasn't going to be able to, you know, compete uh, in sport and, and get paid to do it? And so, it, you know, it was that that was a pretty, that was a pretty natural thing for me. It was it was what I love to do. And so I just decided, hey, this is. This is what I'm going to try to do. Um, I want to, that, that's what I would be. I want to be somebody that gets to, you know, be involved and talk about this uh, on a daily basis if I can. Yeah. Thank goodness it's worked out. Yeah, that, that is true, which also kind of ties into my next question. What makes your job less of like actual work, but more enjoyment? Is it just the enjoyment of sports, the enjoyment of making these connections yeah. with people or? All, yeah, it, no, no, it's, it's what I like to do. Right. So yeah. I, I it's what I it's what like, let's say I worked at a, at a, at a job where I, like, I had a desk job or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I'd be doing is thinking about sports, talking about sports, reading about sports all the time anyway. Right. Yeah. Like my pat, like what I love to do would not be my job. I, I would say, like I honestly would I watch. Some less would I feel less obligation uh, to make sure that I was watching everything or that I had awareness of everything going on. I'm sure that would be true. I would probably, you know, funnel most of my uh, passion, you know, the teams that I keep up with. But I mean, whether it was, you know, playing fantasy sports or gambling or it was watching sports or what, I mean, I'd be doing all this to do. If I if I had a different job, if if it all fell apart for me and I ended up just having to get a, I guess a regular job, um, mm-hmm. then, then no, nothing would change in terms of how much I may, I'm going to make sure I'm in front of a TV for the game. I w- I wouldn't be able to change that for sure. There you go. Well, we've got a question submitted from one of our guys who helps out with the show. He wants to know about the sports trading card market and what got you into trading cards and how you're so big into it and what you love doing it. Yeah. So when I was a kid, uh, that's what I did. Like I collected, I, I had the basketball, baseball monthly. I had the base of the basketball monthly. I had the football monthly. The hockey. I mean, I, I got the price guides and I, traded cards with my friends and I collected and my mother would take me to card shows on the weekend. 
um, St. Louis was an amazing town to grow up in for, for that. Uh, I then worked at a, at a baseball card shop sometimes in the summers in high school, just to earn enough money to be able to buy what I wanted to buy. Um, and so it was just something that did when I was a kid, I always wanted, you know, that's what I, that's what I wanted. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I just, I looked through them all the time. I wanted boxes. It's what I'd asked for for Christmas. It's what I'd asked for for my birthdays. And on the weekends, uh, you know, I would, I would go to these card shows. I would try to get autographs from guys or whatever else. And so, you know, I, I, I guess that probably happened until uh, maybe my freshman year of college, I guess. And then I really didn't collect much. Uh, you know, it would be here and there. You know, I maybe like would buy a pack of cards at Target or something like that. But I really didn't collect much. Uh, I, had, I had a long a long time off. And I guess within the last couple of years, I kind of dove head first back into it because my son's 11. And so he's into it now. Yeah. It's a whole cycle. That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, it was something that I do when I was a kid. And so then I, I went and obviously I, I had never thrown away anything. I dusted all those off, sent those in to get graded. Um, and, and the other thing, it's big business now. I mean, there's a lot of money involved in in, in sports cards. Unlike, uh, honestly, any any time I've been alive, like there's nothing like that. Uh, some of the cards that were that were that we hunted for and were worth something, even when I was a child, are now worth a fortune. Yeah, yeah, I was really big into trading cards, and I did football and I did basketball. And sitting right here next to me, I have a Vince Carter Grizzlies and a Jordan Adams Grizzlies card that I have sitting at my desk, my recording table. But I just – and also, I have this really rare one to my – I don't know if it's rare, but it's a Penny Hardaway Memphis State card that I really want to get autographed by Coach Penny if I had the chance. Let's talk more. What is the origin of Grind City Media? Well, they started a media – yeah, they started a media company, I guess, in whatever it was. I guess it's 21. I think, like, 2017 or – maybe 16. Mm -hmm. And what they were going to do is, you know, you saw how uh, it was going. People all over and and the media world was changing rapidly. And so I think that, you know, the the company of the Grizzlies, Hoops LLC, looked around and they saw that the, the newspaper was in the wrong direction very, very quickly. Um, that sports radio, uh, you know, wasn't, it, it wasn't going to, it was never, it had peaked. It was never going to be what it was uh, prior to. And, and I think they saw that the internet was kind of where the whole world, uh, the whole media world was turning. And so, they went out and they tried to seek out, you know, whether it was Alexis Morgan, who's now, you know, face at 2K for the first three years. Um, and then my, my producer, uh, John Roser at ESPN, Lang Whitaker, who came from, you know, they were able to, they were able to find a, a lot of people and sell them on it um, and get them all to team up. And so they started it, I guess it was uh, in 2017. 
and mm-hmm. it certainly gave a tremendous opportunity for um, for a lot for for a lot of media people that oh. uh, wa- wanted a different route and wanted maybe a different future than what uh, a typical media job has. Yeah, we had one of the Grind City Media members on the show. We had Devin Walker, and we had Jessica Benson, and we've had other guys like Eric Hasseltine, Brevin Knight. Pete Pranico. So it's just, it's a cool opportunity to get to talk to you, talk to all of y'all and just learn from, from y'all's background and stories of yeah. sports world. Well, for you, Chris, I know you've been here in the city of Memphis for the past couple of years. What would you say makes the city of Memphis so special? Um, I, I, It's people, right? Like this is, this is a, is a much different place. I think than maybe it's portrayed nationally. And I think people that, uh, move here and embrace being here. Um, find that they they end up uh, making connections and having friends and seeing the good in people so much more than than maybe many other places. It's an incredibly inviting place, charitable place, uh, and that you know it's got your back. Uh, you know, supports it's it supports its own. Um, and it does, in many cases, feel like the whole uh, Memphis versus everybody, as they say. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I, I think that that it's a it's a it's a big city. Yeah. Um, you know, as compared to a lot of cities around the country, uh, but it feels very small. You know what they say: if you love Memphis, it'll love you back. Yeah, right. I think that's so. I, I, I found that to be insanely true over the years. Oh, well, we're definitely a big basketball fan and or a big city fan of the Grizzlies and we're, yeah. and like the playoffs, wow. like previously years with the Mike Conley and Tony Allen and those days, man, those were so fun. But so what are your thoughts about the Grizz next gen movement? I mean, look, we've got a, we've got a bunch of really good young players. There's a frustrating part that comes along with, you know, they're the young team in the NBA. Um, and so I do think that they are, they are better than any that people thought they were going to be. They're probably better than they should be. Uh, but with that ends up, you know, you create your own monster. You end up creating expectations uh, yeah. for yourself. And so they're still, they're still learning how to win. They're still learning how to win. They've got a, they got a guy that's two years removed from college. Who's their star player. They got another guy who, you know, uh, another cornerstone at Jared Jackson, who's, who's, you know, in his third year uh, in the league, but has just not gotten to play out full seasons um, and is still growing. Um, and then you've had these rookies that they've drafted the last couple of years. I think that's what constitutes the whole next gen thing, um, having the youngest team in the league. And so sometimes that can be a blessing and a curse because your future is insanely bright, but in the present, People have expectations of you. It's probably not realistic given, you know, how many how many games and just minutes you've got under your belt as a professional player and buddy, how, how much time you've spent together playing with the other guys, which has radically changed even throughout this season. You know, you're playing different lineups all the time, different combinations, guys being injured, trying to implement guys. And so uh, generally, I think that most people uh, inside Memphis and outside of Memphis know that, you know, this team has got a very, 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 very bright future. And oh, yeah. they have been 
They've been better, faster than I think anybody expected. And so now, of course, we all want them to be, you know, you know everybody's efficient. But I do think that, you know, in terms of who they, the players they have drafted over the course of the last three years, they now have a building. They got building blocks to have, you know, a team that can compete for titles. Oh, yeah. What should we expect for the rest of this season for this Grizzlies team? Um, I'm assuming play-in. And then speaking of the play-in, what are your thoughts on the play-in? Because we've had recent criticism from players like LeBron, Luka Doncic, uh, yeah. like also Mark Cuban. Who's yeah. Also- yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, ever, any, anybody that seems seemingly uh, becomes involved in the play-in, once they realize they're in the play-in, now all of a sudden they don't like it. Yep. I mean, keep in mind, Keep in mind, the owners voted on this and the players voted on this. So this isn't taking anybody by surprise that this is happening. It's just once they drop into a spot where they would have to play in, now all of a sudden they don't like it. They don't. They wouldn't give a crap if they weren't involved. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think I, I, love it. I love it. I mean, people are looking at the standings right now uh, in a way that they never have before. It's been, you know, it's now been, you know, they've done studies on it that more teams are competitive now at this point in the season than ever before in the NBA, ever. There's more teams hunting for it and more teams playing it out and trying for it. So I do think it has worked as a great deterrent for tanking uh, with teams, you know, with even the hope of having a crack at it if to the play-in. And as for the Grizzlies, yeah, I mean, I think your expectation is that they're they're to play in uh, round. You know, hopefully, you you hope against hope that they could they could have the eight seed because yeah. um, that is a massive massive difference. So, I think oh, yeah. they, I, I, I think what you'll see is uh, them going all out the rest of the way, trying to win as many games they possibly can, and then we all just pray that they get the eight seed so that they have the opportunity to play uh, to. You know, they, 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 even if they lose the first game, they've got another crack at it in order to get a playoff spot. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I, cause I mean, I think we can compete with anybody. I really do. It's just sure if, if we can, if we only can win one, if we only have to win one game, I really do think we can make a playoff seed. Sure, and and, yeah, and that and that's you know all they gotta do is get eight, and then they're the and then they've got that opportunity. I just hope we don't have to play Lakers or Trailblazers. We can, yeah, we can I beat anybody. I, we can beat anybody. I don't. Yeah, I'd, I, obviously you don't want to play the Lakers because um, you would never get a call. The, the NBA is not going to have a playoffs without the Lakers. Um, but the Trailblazers, I, look, between those two, I would much rather play oh, the Trailblazers, yeah. despite what happened uh, last time we faced them. We also went to their place and knocked them twice. I mean, if we are eight, we'd have to go there. And we're a better road team anyways, so. That's for sure. So I mean I'm I'm definitely pretty optimistic as long as we can get eight. Well, Chris, we've like I said, we've grown up listening to you from our high school at White Station High. We've we've had some great alumni coming out and we've heard them on your show when you were at 929. But I just want to say keep doing what you do and we're big fans and supporters of you and we listened to you while we were in class. But we just wanted to, I wanted to ask you if there is there any? What are some ways if you can give them? What are some tips or so you can like maybe to help us out within the media, the sports world, and to grow our on the proud name around the city? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- things are so much different uh, now than they were uh, 
for me, but I mean, the like the the trick is to outwork everybody. Like, I mean, that's not you know, it, it's kind of with any job. Uh, it's it's not different. Typically, the people that you see that have gained a level of success have done it by you know putting in the hours, putting in the work, and so whether that means uh, promoting it, whether that means remaining consistent doing it whether that means coming up with new ideas uh, in order to gain people's attention or that you have some, you know, you have to have, whether it's, whether it's writing, whatever job you have in the media, um, you know, something that makes you particularly unique and some reason that people want to hear what you're going to say. And people go through that um, all manner of different ways. Sometimes it's because this guy knows uh, about my favorite team. And I know that And another guy might be the guy that does, uh, you know, statistical analysis. So he's big on stats and you know that you're going to hear stats. Another guy might be funny. And so you, you know, when you listen to him, you're going to laugh. Or another guy might be, the guy you know, you know, really loves SEC football. Grew up watching it. So, and and everybody's kind of got their thing as yeah. to you know, you you've got to have your thing. Why why do people why do people care uh, what you're writing? Why do people care what you're saying? Why do people care? You know, uh, and and whatever that is, and people go about it all made of different ways. Um, and, and give people and, and everybody's got a different reason for why they like somebody. Um, but typically it's because they, they know what their lane is, right? Uh, they, they know what they can count on. If yeah. they listen to this guy, uh, that's what they're going to hear. Or if they read this guy's articles, that's what they're going to learn about. Um, and I think that that's ultra important. And then obviously, uh, you know, regarding that, you know, there has to be a reason as to why uh, why people why, why people value your opinion. So for me, it was at a very young age. I started, you know, I started going to every single conference. I, I go to I went to every single practice. I went to every single game. I was just around all the time, all the time, and. So then, because my age was going to be, wor- you know, going to be used against me because it was like, hey, who wants to listen to some, you know, 22-year-old, 23-year-old and uh, his opinion on something? And so at that time, it was, okay, I've got to get my bona fides. I've got to, I got to, there, there has to be a reason why. And so the reason why was because I knew more about those teams than the fans did. Right. Like you they're they're counting on you to have more information, to have more insight than them. And and the the only way, you know, that's possible if you are putting in the hours in covering whatever it may be. And it it can either be a specific or can be something that is that's broad. But it has to be something that you have. you know, the, the people, uh, there is a reason why people want to hear what you have to say. And so at the beginning, it was because I knew more about those teams because I was at those practices. I was at those games. I was at those press conferences. And so I could tell people things they didn't know. Right. Yeah, um, 
happened. And then as time went on, it was because people knew I had been present. I'd been around. I had covered these teams for so many different years that at that point, you know, people came to it to hear perspective on, you know, different things um, and and know that I've been covering this stuff for a long time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, just find your niche and stick to it, and then yeah, go from there. Well, yeah, I mean, be, 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 being consistent is massive, massive. You yeah. know, just just doing it, doing it over and over again, uh, because you know people give up. A lot of people give up. Moral of the story: Be like Nike. Just do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Chris, we really appreciate having you join us today on this episode, but. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners today that are listening to this episode? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of anybody that, uh, that tunes it in and listens to what I have to say. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> I have not been, uh, it hasn't been too difficult to hear what whatever I have to say for, uh, for, um, <laughs> for the last 20 years. But hopefully uh, somebody tuned in, they heard something uh you know, that uh, spoke to them or they heard something maybe different than what they've heard me talk about before. (laughs) (laughs) And listen, and and, and listen to the show and do, uh, and then uh, rep me all the time and uh, talk about how awesome I am to all your friends. (laughs) We'll try. (laughs) Oh, we really appreciate you joining us. It was a pleasure to talk to you and learn about your background and talk Grizzlies basketball with you. I'm your host, Robert Roden. I'm Remy Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on The Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops. And we got them high blocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot. With the Mercedes Benz in the coupe.